But uh, you're probably wondering, okay, how do we continue this theme if God is for us? You guys are so good. How would that apply to Mother's Day? Well, a lot more than you realize. Just like I said earlier, all of us came into existence because of a mother. All of us. So even if you are not a mother, you had a mother. Right? Think of Jesus. Without mother, or mothers actually as we're going to learn, we wouldn't be able to stay here today and worship our Lord and Savior. God shows He's for us through mothers. We're going to begin in Matthew chapter 1. Pray for me because this is a long list of names. In verse 1 of chapter 1 of Matthew. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram. Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nachshon, Nachshon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Esau. Esau, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. Ammon, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jesoniah. And his brothers at the same time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jesoniah was the father of Sheatil. Sheatil, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abihud, Abihud the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Akim, Akim the father of Elihud, Elihud the father of Eleazar, Eleazar the father of Matan, Matan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Now, I practiced that a few times. Uh, what is interesting, though, and, and, and often when you read genealogies or if you like read numbers, you go, what, what's the point of this? There's a lot more to it than you realize. What is very unique about this genealogy in Matthew is there's a mention of five women. Five mothers. And if any one of those mothers did not exist we wouldn't have the lineage that leads to Jesus. So in other words, God is absolutely for us through mothers. And so today we're going to examine each one of these mothers from the list. What is it they contributed to the life that was brought in Jesus? And I think we can relate to a lot of them. They're not all the best stories in the world. But nonetheless, they show that God does not look at our our history, our past, our struggles or our weaknesses and feel there's no use for us. That even when we're weak, even when we're damaged, even when we're broken, even when we're left alone and disregarded, God can still use us powerfully to bring about something amazing like Jesus Christ. Amen? So let's start with the first one mentioned, Tamar. More in the right. And that's a true statement about most moms. Kids, just to let you know up front. They are always more in the right. Do I, do I get an agreement on that? Okay. Even if you don't think they are, just 
Accept this. They are more in the right. Husbands, this is true with your wives as well. Okay, Just, just giving you a heads up. It's going to help you in your marriage and in your relationships. Now, we're not going to go into great detail because obviously there's a lot of stories for each of these women. But they're not all the most pleasant situations. But I will summarize Tamar's story. She was the wife of Judah's oldest son, Er. Er was wicked in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord put him to death. That ought to wake us up just a little bit right there, that the Lord put someone to death because they were wicked. There's no saying that God can't still do that today. Okay, so just, you know, we've we got to keep that healthy fear of the Lord, and it's why we strive to be righteous, okay? Now, the next oldest son, Onan, was supposed to fulfill his duty. There's a duty in the Jewish traditions that the duty is they need to pro- provide offspring for the older brother. That passes away. Okay? He was also wicked, though, and the Lord put him to death as well. Okay, so God's serious. Okay, we've got to take that to the heart here. The next brother, however, in line was too young to fulfill the duty of the brother-in-law. That should tell you right there that intimacy is meant for older people. Okay, when you're at the age of being able to marry, we should not seek it before then. That's, that's already shown right here from the story. However, let's get a little background on this practice of why these brothers sinned in not fulfilling this duty. In Deuteronomy chapter Chapter 25, if brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her. So those of you who have older siblings, if you were Jews, you'd really want to pay attention to who your older sibling's marrying. Okay? Just, just thought I'd throw that out there. That's an empty. I'll be like, ooh, wait a minute. Who are you marrying? Just in case you get stuck down, man. I want to make sure I feel good about this. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. The first son she bears shall carry on the name of the dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. The name is very important to God. God's name is important. But also our names are important. And we know from our previous lesson, we all get a new name in heaven. Names mean something. So this was very important to God. However, if a man does not want to marry his brother's wife, she shall go to the elders at the town gate and say, My husband's brother refuses to carry on his brother's name in Israel. He will not fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to me. Then the elders of his town shall summon him and talk to him. If he persists in saying, I do not want to marry her, His brother's widow shall go up to him in the presence of the elders, take off one of her sandals, spit in his face, and say, This is what is done to the man who will not build up his brother's family line. That man's line shall be known in Israel as the family of the unsandaled. the Bible, but if if you're not really paying attention, you probably missed that. Right? I mean, I've read through the Bible front to finish, but that kind of caught my attention this time. I'm like, spit in his face? And from that point on, you're the family of the unsandaled. I don't know if that's the name that you want carried on, okay? So, so now this will be important to remember this practice because it's going to show up again in another mother from the lineage, okay? So hold on to that thought. Getting back to Tamar. Eventually, uh, eventually Judah's wife died. 
uh, or his Judas uh, son died, and he did not give his last son Shelah to her. So his youngest son, he ended up not giving to Tamar. Okay, so what happened? Well, uh, Jacob got a little of his own medicine. He had used deception with his brother Esau, remember? To get his birthright. So through a series of events, she became pregnant by Jacob. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not condoning that action. But the Bible nonetheless records it. And despite it, she's still in the lineage of Jesus. That, that ought to give us an understanding of God's grace even in the Old Testament. Okay? We're not condoning the actions. But nonetheless, God records it and still includes her in the lineage of Jesus. That's got to teach us something about God's overall picture of grace, even when we blow it, even when we make big mistakes. Okay? She ends up giving birth to twins, Perez and Zerah. Let's see what happens as we continue the story. In Genesis 38, verse 24, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. About three months later, because you could probably hide it for that amount of time, The word reached Judah that Tamar, his daughter-in-law, was pregnant as a result of prostitution. Bring her out and burn her. That's just to show you God is serious about infidelity. Okay? Judah shouted, But as they were taking her out to kill her, she sent this message to her father-in-law. The man who owns this identification seal and walking stick is the father of my child. Can you kind of guess whose stick that is? Judah admitted, yes, the man who owns Identity is the father of my child. Do you recognize them? Judah admitted they were his. So he's admitting his own sin. And said, she is more in the right than I am. Because I didn't keep my promise to let her marry my son Shelah. But Judah never slept with Tamar again. Glad to see the righteousness there. Amen. In due season, the time of Tamar's delivery arrived, and she had twin sons. If she had been killed... The lineage that leads to Jesus would be over. So we see that even despite our sins, even despite our transgressions, God can still use us. We're actually more in the right, I believe, than we're in the wrong. I think sometimes we so focus on our sin, it's like, I'm in the wrong, I'm dead, I have no grace, there's no more good for me, I'm no more useful. Are you really committing that sin 24-7, seven days a week? I think we are more in the right because of God. That doesn't mean we're right in those sins. But with Tamar, she was more in the right than Judah. And God blessed the right, not to cover up the evil or the sin. He dealt with sin. But we see because of that, the lineage leads to Jesus. Okay? So Tamar, more in the right. Let's go to the next one. Here's another surprising mother in the lineage of Jesus. Rahab. Also not the most uh, righteous life background. But that doesn't prevent God from using us. She was made right by her actions. She was from the city of Jericho. And the New Testament has this to say about her. You can go back to to Joshua if you want to see the story. And James 2.24 in the New Living Translation says, So you see, we are made right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. For those religious denominations think all we need to do is believe, I'm sorry, that doesn't, that doesn't sanctify you. We're, 
made right by what we do because of what we believe. Our belief must lead to action. That was true for Rahab. That's true for us. Says Rahab, an example of this principle. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example of this. She was made right with God by her actions. When she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without a spirit, so also faith is dead without good deeds. Rahab is not commended for her profession, but for her faith. She believed Israel would win. Who would have thought that a simple compassion, and a little moment, an action of compassion, would change the destiny of her life and even her lineage? You don't realize, guys, that when you're willing to deny yourself, not be selfish, and actually help out, could change the destiny of you and your family's lineage. Isn't that amazing? I see it all the time with Hope Youth Corps. I see kids who come through there that just that two-week period of them putting others above themselves changes the destiny of their life. I seen one of them several years ago. Noah Kreider was his name. Will Garcia was with us as we were doing the youth corps. He was a guy who came from the summit and basically said, "I'm going to fall away." We're like, "You just saw this amazing thing, and you want to?" Fall. And so we said, "That's it. We're going after this. We, we got to help this brother through the relationships in the youth corps, through Will, through myself." By the end of two weeks, even before he was done, he was calling home to his family, apologizing for the things that he had done or not done that he should. He repented, he got restored, and actually last year he led one of the youth corps in Budapest. His destiny changed. I don't care where you're at today. Maybe there's some sin similar to hers in your life that you feel like, I'm useless. No, you are not. If you repent... If you put faith into action, you do not need to be a victim of your past. You do not need to be a victim of your transgressions. You can be forgiven. You can repent. You can be renewed. You can be restored. And you can be in the lineage of continuing Jesus' good news to mankind. Amen? So that's our first two mothers. And without them, we would probably not be meeting here today. God is for us through mothers. Let's look at the third one mentioned. I love this story. Ruth, the mother that brought redemption. In Ruth chapter 1, verse 16. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. Aren't those beautiful words of loyalty, of commitment? And this is from a foreigner to a Jew. Someone who did not necessarily know God except through maybe what connection she had to her mother-in-law's son. And God is going to use her very powerfully. Many of us remember the story of Ruth and her expression of devotion and loyalty to Naomi. But after Naomi lost both her sons, she returned to Bethlehem in bitterness. 
Little did she know how God would use Ruth to bring about redemption. You gotta understand in Jewish society for Naomi to return with no sons to support her, this was a desperate situation. If if Ruth had not gone with her, she would have disappeared from the story in a very tragic way. And unfortunately we see a lot of that even in today's society, where parents are just left to disappear. I hope that is never said of us. That no matter what our parents go through, and there's some tough situations that many of our members are dealing with their parents, but we need to love them because we're worse than an unbeliever when we don't. We need to take the care of our parents very seriously. And I want the children to hear that too because we're going to be in that position one day. Okay, So we'll try to be great parents so that encourages you a little more. Amen. But we see that Ruth is going to bring about redemption for Naomi. Her actions didn't just bless herself and ultimately the lineage of Jesus, it blessed Naomi in the present time as well. See, Ruth ended up working in the field of Boaz, a potential kinsman redeemer. In other words, someone from the line who could take the wife of a Jewish son who died to fulfill the contract that we read about earlier in Deuteronomy. Okay, so coincidence? I don't think so. I think God is always for us in ways that we never understand. So, however, Boaz was second in line. Okay, so here we see the sandal again. Ruth 4, verse 7. Now in the earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off the sandal and gave it to the other. This is the method of legalizing transaction in Israel. Uh, now we shake hands, we'll sign, a little bit different today. But back then it's like, here's your sandal. Okay, so. And I don't think it smelled very good, if you know what I mean. So you, you knew this was a real commitment if you're going to grab that thing. Okay. So the kinsman redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And he removed his sandal. So the one that was first in line goes, hey, I, I, I really don't want to do this. Here you go, man. I pass it on to you. Okay. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Machlon. I have also acquired Ruth, the Moabitess, Machlon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among the family or from the town records. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all those at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together build up the house of of Israel. Wow, that's an honor. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem through the offspring the Lord gives you, which would include Jesus in the future. By this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whose Tamar bore to Judah, even compared to Tamar. That is an honor. Simply because she was loyal. You don't realize, guys, when you're loyal... How God can bless that. When you let your yes be yes and your no be no, God can bless that. It was just one moment of, no, where you go, I go. Where you live, I live. Where you die, I die. We're missing that kind of devotion to each other in today's society. It's all about me. It's all about self. Man, we need to bring back this kind of family. This kind of commitment. And there was no blood to bind them. She was free with the death of her husband. But she didn't consider herself free from the commitment to this family. And are we not thankful today? Because without Ruth, we would not get to Jesus. 
So already three very important mothers that are mentioned. So now let's get to the fourth one. I'm not quite sure why they don't mention her name. Uriah's wife. We know it as Bathsheba. Okay? The mother of a son loved by God. I do find it interesting that they don't mention her by name. It may mean because they're trying to include only the lineage of Jesus to Gentiles. Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth were not Jews. Okay? They were foreigners. In either case, she became a mother through an adulterous relationship with David and also led to the death of her husband and the loss of her first child. But despite the severity of that sin, they were forgiven by God. I know we don't want to discuss the sin right now. It's Mother's Day. It's not a day to talk about that. But they were forgiven, guys. That was a pretty grievous sin. Murder. Adultery. And yet, they were forgiven. And God still used them. I really hope we're seeing through the Old Testament the incredible grace of God. Now, I'm not saying go sin and just hope that, hey, you'll be forgiven. God at some point did strike down two guys. You can't just continue to be wicked and go, God is graceful. He's also judge. But if He hasn't chosen to strike you down, then man, don't waste His grace. Get open. Get real. Get help. Change. Because your life does not need to be determined by your present situation. Your destiny can change both for you and for the lives that come through you. Amen? Amen. That's pretty amazing. In 2 Samuel, we read this. Chapter 12, verse 24. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went to her and lay with her. She gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. The Lord loved him. And because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan the prophet to name him Jedidiah. Uriah's wife. The mother to a son who was loved by God. That's a pretty powerful statement. Would you not like that with your children? That your children will be loved by God? Then there's a part you play in that. You gotta, you gotta repent. You gotta be righteous. You gotta strive to be faithful and act on that faith with God. Through that obedience, God can bless our lineage. And so we see now another mother that was added to the lineage of Jesus. And the word Jedidiah means loved by the Lord. That's why he was given that name. Now eventually Solomon would become king, and he too would be included in the genealogy of Jesus. So this leads to the last mother, a very special one, Mary. This mother would become a mother by the most amazing way of all. Matthew 1 verse 18. It's going to feel like Christmas. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Wow. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had mind to divorce her quietly. If you've ever seen the nativity, you can understand the social ramifications for Mary in this situation. But I think this can even apply to some of our women here today who have not been able to have children. Through the Holy Spirit, you can still become a mother without ever giving birth to a child. 
how many women in this room may not have children physically, but they have a lot of spiritual children. I can think of many women in my life who are not my mother biologically, but man, the way they treated me, the way they loved me, the way they cared for me, I would consider them a mother as well. So even if you are desiring children and this hasn't happened, through the Holy Spirit, you'll still be a mother to people. And I think that's an important thing to understand and appreciate about Mary. She didn't have this child physically, but she still became a mother. Amen? So I think that's just something to remember. But after he had considered this, because he wanted to divorce her, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded. That's a good thing to do. An angel comes to you and commands you. And took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. This is a teenager. If you were in those shoes, and I know men, we can't really understand this, but younger women, if the Lord came to you and said, I want you to bear my son, what would you feel? Not only just the social ramifications of, man, what's this going to look like? See, this really shows us, guys, that we have to care more about what God thinks than what man thinks. Because a man was not thinking very good, including Joseph. If we really care more about what God thinks, we'd be willing to make that step. Mary is heroic. As a teenager, willing to face those complications to obey her Lord. I think that is amazing. How do you explain the pregnancy? How do you explain that? I could only imagine the conversations that were taking place in Jerusalem. In either case, something was going to happen. And she conceived a child by the Holy Spirit. God was entering the creation itself. Jesus didn't come as an adult. Adam came as an adult. Eve came as an adult. Jesus came as a child that needed to be raised by a mother. Amen. I don't know about you, but if I was a teenager and I got to need to be the mother of the Son of God, I'd be a little nervous. There's no manual for that. They didn't have while you're pregnant books back then. You know, those are great books, by the way, for the dads who are about to be, you know, fathers. I mean, this is an incredible story. Bringing the Son of God into existence. And of course, the name Jesus means the Lord saves. And what was the purpose of this? To save people from their sins, which includes the other mothers in the lineage of Jesus. They too could be saved from their sins. They would not need to be remembered as the prostitute, as the adulteress, as the foreigner. They get to be remembered as mothers 
that contributed to the lineage of Jesus Christ who forgives all sins. Who would like to be remembered that way? (laughs) Hopefully all of us. That we're not going to be remembered for our weaknesses and our our transgressions and our mistakes. We're going to be remembered for who we are because of Christ and the incredible work that He did through us. Now the Gospel of Luke gives a little more detail. I think this is important. You know, three out of the five mothers were foreigners, guys. Did you notice that? God has always planned for His people to be all nations. That's never been an afterthought. Three of the five mothers in the lineage of Jesus were foreigners. Look around in the room. We have a bunch of foreigners. Right? Amen! Exactly! We need to be fired up about that. I love our diversity. I think it's the most powerful attribute of our church. And that we can love each other and work through the differences. Let's finish in Luke 1, verse 26. The announcement to be the mother of the Son of God. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married, a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings! Now, most of the time, angel says, Don't be afraid. That's usually the first phrase that comes from angels in in any of the stories. But with Mary, it's, Greetings! That's different. I don't know why that is, but most of the time, it's like, Don't be afraid. uh, Obviously, Mary isn't as afraid. So he said, Greetings! You who are highly favored. Isn't that what we all want to hear from our mom and dad? That we're favored? The world was not going to consider favored. They were going to consider an adulteress for being pregnant, out of wedlock. But to God, she was favored. I wish we'd stop hearing the voices of our own sin, of our accuser Satan, of the world and its judgment, and we could really hear the voice of God of how He feels about us. What would that be? If we could wake up every morning, even though we may be struggling with something, even though we're still trying to overcome something, even though there's something that's overwhelming, that we could hear the voice of God, Isabel, you're highly favored. Caught you off guard, didn't I? (laughs) Bill, you're highly favored. Jack, you're highly favored. Isn't that what we want to hear? That that, that to me is just how personal God is. Because He's about to drop a real big bomb on her. (laughs) But He started off, man, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. I think that the biggest lie Satan gets us to believe is to think that the Lord's not with us. Even in our sin. When you're sinning, the Lord is actually still there. And if you remember that, you probably sin less. I think I'm getting... Oh, the Lord's here. Hey, Lord! How you doing? Greetings! Right? I think we really need to think that way. But also, I think we're not going to want to sin if we truly believe we're His favored. I just love that. Mary was greatly troubled at His words. 
I love the honesty of the Bible. It's like, wait a minute, you're buttering me up. What's coming next? (laughs) And wonder what kind of greeting this might be. We're skeptical, aren't we? We're cynical. We think of the worst before the best often in our nature. And Mary's like going, okay, that sounded really good, but I'm not sure what's going on right now. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Now it says it. Mary, you have found favor with God. It never says how she found favor. It never says why she found favor. But it's a fact. She found favor. Maybe there's things you don't even know you're doing or not doing that finds favor with God. That's kind of a cool thought. Because a lot of times I think, oh, I'm in disfavor with God. I blew it again. Lost my temper. Had a lustful thought. What's selfish here? Oh, I'm in disfavor. No, there may be things you're doing all the time that are actually in favor with God. That doesn't mean you shouldn't repent of the other stuff, okay? Still got to deal with those things. You will be with a child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. And He'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give Him the throne of His father David. The lineage is mentioned. And He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Well, if you're going to be asked to have a child, that's a pretty good one to have right there. Okay, I'm feeling a little better right now about His marriage. I'm like, okay, well that's cool. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I think the next statement may give us a little clue to why she was favored. And it may be a great example for us to consider really imitating. I am the Lord's servant. Would that have been your first answer? I don't know. If I was in her shoes, I, I, I think I'd still be concerned of what my family's going to think, what my friends are going to think. I don't know if I would have that heart in that moment. I don't know. I I would hope so. But Mary is heroic. I am the Lord's servant. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. We don't serve the world. We serve the Lord. And I hope we can imitate Mary in that. Mary answered, May it be to me as you have said. That takes it even a step further. Okay, I'm your servant. But she even removes all exceptions or excuses. However you choose to do it, may it be. See, I think we initially, some of us can go, I'm your servant. Oh, wait a minute, but that way, I don't know. Oh, well, if you're going to have me do that, no, if we're truly going to be a servant of the Lord, we're going to find favor in the Lord, it's got to be all in, guys. Whatever you choose, your will be done. wonder where Jesus got that from. He got it from his mother. Do you ever think of that? Mary basically just said in different words, not my will, your will be done. I have a feeling as Jesus was growing up, he heard the story. And when Jesus faced that moment for all of us, I wonder if he thought of his mother. 
Well, my mom did it. I can do it. Amen? I don't know about you, but that, that tears me up. Then the angel left her. It states very clearly that Mary was favored. We don't necessarily know the exact reason, but I think this heart of a servant and the willingness to do God's will played a big part in it. She was chosen to be a very special mother, one to carry the very Son of God. God has always had a plan to bring salvation to the whole world, every nation. And through the power of the Spirit, He had a plan. As we saw the lineage of Jesus Christ, God showed He was for us through mothers. Nothing is impossible with God. Whatever situation, whatever mother you may be able to relate to the most in your present situation, it can change just as it did for them. Nothing is impossible with God. No, Derek, you don't understand the depth of my situation. It's beyond... No, it is not. Talk to the three foreigners who for all intents and purposes, for their life and their background, they should not even be given credit. But with God, nothing is impossible. So as we enjoy Mother's Day, let's remember that God has been for us through the lineage of the mothers of Jesus Christ. Who were they again? It was Tamar, mourned the right. It was Rahab, made right by her actions. It was Ruth, the mother that brought redemption. It was Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, the mother of a son loved by God. And it was Mary, highly favored. And what was the purpose of all these mothers? To bring Jesus Christ. So as we reflect on the mothers, let us take communion remembering it was to bring about a son of God who could save us from all of our sins. Let's go to God in prayer.